Ross and Gore And sometimes a little more My Bloody Podcast <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of My Bloody Podcast Your hopefully go-to horror podcast where we talk about everything horror going on in entertainment. I'm your host this week, Preston Barter of the Ditton Record Chronicle and Fresh Fiction. And with me, as always, is the man that bathes in the blood of virgins, is best friends with rats, and the late great Arlie Emery. Actually, none of that is true, but he's the best villain award winner, and he is a very cool man, and his name is Brian Motherfucking Kluga. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you, good sir. It's yeah. all true. It's all true. <laughs> if you say so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have a really good episode this week. We are talking about the 2003 remake of the 1971 film Willard, starring Crispin Glover. So it is uh, not the year of the rat. I think that's next year, 2020, but it's the year of the rat on this episode. So we'll be diving into that film for our future presentation, talking about some exciting horror news, including the Midsummer trailer, which just dropped a little bit ago when we watched and we just are salivating. And um, what else we got? We got our bloody question of the week, which was a, which was a fun one and uh, we got a lot of attention for. So we're excited to talk about that. And then we got our usual bloody recommendation, and then, yeah, finally concluding with our future presentation. So uh, lots of cool stuff to talk about this week, and so what's at the top? Uh, the top, we got to talk about this Midsummer trailer, man. Yes. <laughs> we we literally just watched it because it re- re- was released like minutes ago, and, you know, we it, it's by Ari Aster, the director of Hereditary. It's his second film. And we both loved Hereditary so much, I think I've seen it more times than Lord of the Rings now. <laughs> and now his new movie, Midsommar, M-I-D-S-O-M-M-A-R. And what kind of, we only, before this trailer, we kind of knew that it would might be about like a young couple going to like a vacation retreat somewhere in the, like with something like, looks like a fun festival. But after seeing this trailer... All dives into a deep, dark hole, basically. <laughs> yes. What do you think, man? Yeah, uh, this trailer is uh, super exciting. I expected nothing less from Ari Aster, just because, as we mentioned in episodes past, we are super interested in his style of filmmaking. And I was wondering like, how sound would carry over in this film, and it seems like it's a pretty big... Part of this uh, movie of like uh, ratcheting up tension. Um, the the trailer even has like that same kind of. Uh, he's just finding like different sounds to make him creepy. Like you know we had the cluck from Hereditary, but this one has like a like a breathing on the microphone, like a uh, used throughout the trailer to uh, creep you out. And then the last shot of the trailer where she's like peeping through a keyhole and God knows what the hell is going on on the other side. Well, it's, um, it, it sound, it, what they do is like you, she's peeking through this hole and then all, all you hear is like horrible like a, screams. Like an orgy and, or yeah. a, 
a, a massacre, a, a slaughter, something. Yeah, and he's like, you don't see it, but you just see her looking through the peephole, and you see like her a close up of her eyeball, and yeah. you just and you hear all these sounds, and it's just, it, it's very terrifying. <laughs> uh, yeah. And like, there's like little clips, like little split second clips in the movie, and like one of them, it looked like there was a gigantic grizzly bear on top of a table, cut Being open, devoured. yeah, from That's, neck yeah. to nuts basically <laughs> all the insides it's like it, the the trailer i mean that scene like it's like a split second you're just like what did i just see but it looks like you know like starts off happy like to a couple going to a a retreat a festival that they say happens every 90 years and yeah and it just looks weird but oh man i do you so by looking at this trailer? Do you get a sense of like another demonic entity here, or? Yeah, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see like how it all unfolds. If like maybe he's quietly making a universe of some sort, um, that would be fascinating. If he was just like like a subtle James Wan in a way, um, or if they're just going to be part of a a, a series, uh, maybe not all related uh, i mean a part of the same universe but maybe the material and thematic uh material all relates to one another so um yeah uh i also like the look of the trailer it has or the look of the film it has like this kind of yellowish glow which is completely opposite of hereditary so i always love it when horror movies like make find a way to make daylight horrifying and i think that he's really done it yeah i think he's done that um on youtube a couple of the comments were really funny one of them actually said it looks like wes anderson made a horror movie yeah and then the funniest one i thought i saw was somebody wrote on the youtube comment um Ari Aster makes a new movie, bangs head on desk in, in excitement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is a throwback to Hereditary, which is really funny. Yeah. Uh, no, this movie looks so good. And like Preston said, you know, one of the movies of recent memory that made Daylight kind of terrifying, I thought, was Paranormal Activity because all that a lot of stuff happened during the daytime there too so mm-hmm. um in this yeah, one there's, just there's moments in uh insidious like the first one where you know she hears creepy sounds outside and then steps out goes inside and then there's like stuff going on in the background um it follows made daytime horrifying oh yeah so, of course yeah, yeah so yeah there's a lot of good but it seems like this is what the almost a, a, a I would want to say like maybe 70% maybe of the movie takes place during the daytime because it has like this flower and spring kind of feel. And so that's a change of pace for the franchise. And Yeah, it looks um, like green, yellowish grass everywhere, the electric blue skies, and it just looks very happy. Everybody's in white yeah. dresses or flower dresses, and then, and then it's going to devolve, I just know. And yeah, like... like the, they're the part of the Manson family or something. Right, right. And I uh I I almost don't want to watch another trailer. I just want this. And then I then I want to see the movie. <laughs> yeah, but um you know, usually with 
A24's trailers, they don't tend to reveal too much. But uh, I'm with you. Like, I've seen enough to know, okay, this fully... Like, I was already excited to know that I was going to be there, but this just uh, justifies that. Right, right, right. Or warrants that decision. Oh, so if you haven't yet, check out the Midsummer trailer. Get back to us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think of it because... We're super excited with it. When does this come out? Is it this weekend? Or no, not this weekend, this no, summer. No, no, no. It's like this uh, late summer, I think. Okay, cool. I want to say like August, uh, if I remember correctly. But man, I, I'm really hoping, and you and I have speculated that, because like, South by Southwest, they usually have secret screenings. And I, I believe you mentioned this last week uh, when we were we heard that this trailer was coming, <clears throat> that I, man, I really hope that they... Uh, squeeze this in because like i mentioned before like a24 just does not have a presence this year which is quite shocking and so i really hope they uh managed to squeeze it in as like a midnighter because it would be just perfect uh for the festival and as i mentioned last year uh last week the south by southwest this year is just littered with all kinds of great horror stuff and so um man yeah i just really hope and especially since hereditary played at south by southwest before um i hope that maybe ari aster will come back and a24 will come back with it yeah no that's yeah i i i will as i know you're going i hope for your sake and my sake too to live vicariously through you i hope it's yeah. there yeah if not it's probably gonna be at like can or something Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Midsummer trailer. Let's move on. We have a bit of unfortunate news um, that we ha- we should talk about because this uh, great actor and good man was in a bunch of really cool horror movies. Uh, but Luke Perry passed away uh, yesterday. I guess last week he had a massive stroke. He was 52 years old. And he died from complications of that stroke yesterday. Um, he was excellent in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. The original movie, not the TV show. But that's it's very sad. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I wasn't a big watcher of like 90210, but uh, I would catch one every now and then. And But he was just always a, a very nice presence to whatever he was in and it's always unfortunate when you hear of somebody who's so young passing when they're in their 50s and or what have you and they're in their they just haven't reached their their full potential to just create like even more great art and like evolve as actors and performers and later in life. And so it's just, it's sad. It's sad whenever we uh, encounter news like this. Yeah, it's super sad. And he was, uh, I've heard stories that he was an actual good person. And he yeah. was also involved in the wrestle, pro wrestling community along with his son. Um, and it just, uh, it, it really sucks because I know they were trying to bring back 90210 as well with the mm-hmm. whole cast. And, um, yeah, just uh, that's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, this is like sidebar moment, but uh, I also found out that my baseball coach in high school passed away yesterday too from from cancer. So just death hit me so hard yesterday, and I'm sorry to hear uh, that, man. Yeah, it, it was it was really sad just because uh, he was a. Uh, 
he was a really good coach and I didn't, I wasn't like a star baseball player at all, but my three or two good friends that I had, we always were really tight knit hanging out. We were like the bench warmers and we would play. And so, uh, like whenever we were like losing and things like that, we weren't like star players or anything like that, but we had a good time and we just joked around with him and he, he was like uh, one of those coaches where, uh, or, or teachers, because he's also a teacher, that you could uh, uh, mess around with. And then he would try to be real serious and punish you. But at the same time, you're like, dude, I, can't just, I just can't take you seriously. So, But, yeah, he was a good coach. And so, yeah, just had to bring that up just because, um, yeah, just just all the news lately of death has just been really hard. So. Yeah, that's that's uh, that that does suck, and it seems to always hit in threes of some sort. So, yeah, yeah, hope hope another one doesn't come along. But the well, I guess the the other death was the lead singer of Prodigy, the band. Oh yeah, true. So, true. Um, but uh, yeah, um, we'll we'll always have uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer for Luke Perry and many other good movies, but. Yeah. We'll we'll move on to some really uh, fun news right now, uh, especially for Preston. <laughs> um, okay. It looks like uh, Joe T- Dante's original Piranha film is yeah. coming from Screen Factory in a Steelbook Blu-ray with a brand new 4K scan, and I could only imagine Preston is just yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, because I got my uh, uh, Roger Corman classic Shout Factory or Scream Factory release uh, within the year. Um, after I got it right before um, James Cameron's Piranha 2, The Spawning, the terrible sequel, uh, came out. So I had never seen Piranha, actually, and so I watched it uh, this past year. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I always love it. Uh, when they're branching out, doing more steelbook stuff outside of just doing John Carpenter releases, which is where they essentially started. So now, like, they're going down their uh, greatest hits, probably like the ones that uh, they made the most money off of. Like, they, you know, most recently did the Bill and Ted and Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai and uh, Army of Darkness. And so, um, did you ever get that, by the way, Army of Darkness steelbook? So I did not get the steel book. I I missed that. Is it still available? Uh, you can't get it off the website, so you're gonna have to do some digging on uh, either Amazon buying it used because um, it's not available there, or go on eBay. And so I, yeah, I've been meaning to do that because I went into Movie Trading Co. not too long ago, and they had one, and I walked out with it, but it was dented, so I took it back and traded it in for. Halloween three season of the witch. So um, <laughs> it was tempted. God damn it. Yeah. Yep. Can't, can't have that. Uh, even though I know how to fix them now, but just some of them, I just don't want to make the effort for, but yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's a cool design too. It's got a lot of green and then the, you know, legs underwater and things like that. So yeah. Always excited for a new uh, Shout Factory Steelbook release. It looks cool because I guess uh, there's the new 4K scan, but there's also a brand new commentary with Roger Corman. So that's pretty mm. cool. Um, along with all the previous extras, there will be 5,000 units of the Steelbook produced. So it's limited. It'll Yeah, that's um, that's like five because they usually do 10. So yeah. Need to jump be- on it. 
Yep, and it'll come up with a roll lithograph illustration, um, and the release date will be June 11th. So uh, this will be one to look out for. It'll be a collector's item, and it's kind of cool that you get a brand new audio commentary with the legend Roger Corman. So uh, steelbook style, and like that steelbook is damn cool too. So I don't know. Do I have to get into this steelbook craze? I don't know. Maybe. It's dangerous (laughs) territory, my friend. Yeah. Oh, no. I know all too well about dangerous collecting territory. Believe, Believe me. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's why I've stepped back from it minus you know records and some movies but yeah oh my goodness because yeah it's th- it's a it's a mad game of self discipline I can't tell you how much time I spend like on eBay and uh various other websites um just look at like just recently uh yesterday I've been meaning to get the Harry Potter uh steelbook collection and um I think Best Buy, because Best Buy has it, they sell it all together. And for the longest time, it's been like $230, $208, like around that region. They just dropped it down to $150. And I'm like, God damn it. But I'm about to go down to South Buy, so I'm going to have to put that off. So if you're really into uh, Harry Potter, you could go to BestBuy.com and get that sucker. But uh, And it's on 4K. Get, get two so, of them and send one to Preston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to make a, a happy donation, keep us happy, and uh, get me motivated and uh, wanting to do more and more. Like, I'll, I will review something that you want us to review if that happened. I'll do, <laughs> I'll do five of them. <laughs> you heard it here, fo- here first, uh, everyone. Let's, let's do this. Let's get behind it. Sit yeah, e- e- email me at uh, mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. That's so desperate. But no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just really want to get it. We'll, we'll find a way to get you that amazing steelbook of the Harold Potter series. Uh, good stuff. But yes, uh, Piranha, June 11th, steelbook, Scream Factory, remember that but let's move on um let's talk about what are we gonna talk about let's talk about the silent hill 2 soundtrack uh from mondo i guess they've been releasing a bunch of video game soundtracks recently such as castlevania and the first silent hill but now they are going to silent hill 2 uh and that will be coming from mondo uh tomorrow at noon which uh, should be quite, quite fun. If you know the Silent Hill game series, you know how creepy it is and how haunting the score is. Uh, so yeah, it is um, pretty cool. The The two records will feature 30 songs from the 2001 Psychological Horror. One is kind of like a cream color and the other one is kind of like a blood red ripple color. So... Uh, go to mondotees.com and check out the original video game soundtrack to Silent Hill 2. Buy that because it is some haunting, creepy stuff. Do you do you listen to this? Have you played? You don't play video games, right? No, I do not. Okay, but it's very cool artwork, very scary Silent Hill <laughs> stuff. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's go to that. It should be good. Should be fun. Uh, Preston, what else do we got up on? today did we talk about the new hellboy trailer i know we mentioned it that it was coming out but did we talk about the new one 
no, because it was we were gonna. T- I think it was coming out later that day after we recorded last right. week, and it was gonna be the R-rated trailer, the Red Band trailer, and it is out. And so I know Preston, you didn't so much care for the first trailer release, but after watching the the bloody trailer this last time, what do you think? I think it looks much better. Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I, I felt like the humor landed a little bit better, and I and I buy David Harbor being in the role this time like there's even like a certain cadence in his voice where he sounds so much like um uh man Perlman. so yeah i th- i think that it looks better and um the tone of it's good and so it just seems like a good exciting addition to uh the franchise even though it's a reboot so um yeah yeah i'm down for it I like the rated r feel to it it's a nice change of pace very, very cool. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I watched it, and, you know, I'm I'm in, like, you know, of course, you're like, oh, Grandma de Toro, Ron Perlman, Selma Blair, but this, like, looks good. I'm, I can't wait to see what they do with it. I really hope it's a good mix of, like, strong violence, gore, because that's Hellboy, and then a mix of his humor, the dark humor, so I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful now. I'm hopeful. So, so yes, yes, very, very, very fun stuff uh, with Hellboy. Let's talk about a really cool book coming out. Um, yeah. If anybody of you, if any of you know horror movies, you probably have come across at one point in time the legendary makeup uh, guy, maestro, master Rick Baker. He did the all the practical makeup effects for. American Werewolf in London, Michael Jackson's Thriller, uh, The Nutty Professor, Men in Black, you know, a bunch of horror Harry stuff. and the Hendersons. Yeah, like just, just tons of stuff. If you look at his IMDb page, you're just like, oh, wow, he's amazing. Um, so finally, there is going to be a badass giant coffee table book in two volumes, in two volumes, in a case uh, with over 1,000 uh, images and sketches from this guy in all of his movie monsters called Metamorphosis, collecting his his art and his you know movie monster stuff from 1950 to present day. Uh, and you can pre-order from Amazon today, but it will not come out until like right around Halloween, I think October 8th. But holy... Ninth, I believe, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it... Oh, my goodness. It's just... I can't I can't wait because it's going to feature essays from the other makeup guy, the maestro Dick Smith, who did stuff in The Exorcist, Peter Jackson, John Landis. I mean, I'm looking for this will be the coffee table book on my coffee table for at least a few years <laughs> because Yeah. Need to replace that get out one that we got. Yes, the, the get out, and uh, I might have to replace my WrestleMania hardcover uh, coffee table book too. So I don't know. It'll probably be this one and the Kubrick one I got currently, but I can't wait. I'm surprised this hasn't come out at all yet. But Metamorphosis, go look at it. Um, I'm I'm looking on Amazon right now to see how much it is uh, going, and it is pretty uh, pretty expensive as of right now. Yeah. Uh, the list price is 250 bucks, but Amazon is selling it for $237. Uh, it's worth, it's going to be worth it. I'm, I'm Does it say how many copies they're doing or is it just like not, not mentioned? Um, I don't see, I think it's just, I think they're doing pre-orders to check it out. 
So I think that's hmm. uh, see what. Yeah, it's doing. usually a gamble when it comes to like pre-ordering stuff because sometimes you know uh, stuff will drop uh, tremendously, so you never know. So maybe just add it to your uh, watch list and then um, just keep an eye on it. But you know, you could just bite the bullet and get it now because then the price could go up. You never know. Yeah, that's definitely the way to go for sure. Um, but yeah, the Rick Baker, he's the master, and I just, he's just so amazing. Um, but let's move on. Uh, there's something going on in Seattle that I think Preston and I should fly there for. Um, in Seattle, Washington, we all know about escape rooms. But I guess there's somebody in Seattle that is throwing on an Evil Dead 2 escape room, which is officially sanctioned, I believe, by Evil Dead and everything. Uh, they were granted all the rights by Studio Canal and Sam Raimi and all that fun stuff. So this has happened in Seattle. It looks amazing. Um, basically, what they say that you, it's an hour long. Uh, and you have to find the Kandarian dagger from Evil Dead 2 and destroy the Book of the Dead before the Evil Dead swallows their souls. They can expect deadites, chainsaws, strange deer heads, chained up people in the cellar, uh, and tons of other stuff. This, oh God, I want to do this because I've done a couple escape rooms and they're not, they're, they're, the, the Purge one was pretty decent. Um, other than that, oh my goodness, this sounds right up my alley. Uh, Preston, let's go to Seattle, uh, in July and, uh, and do this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would be happy to. I've always wanted to go to Seattle and, um, so I could, uh, kill two birds with one stone. That would be so much fun. I wonder, so, okay, so we're going to have to contact Evil Dead to Seattle Pitch them a whole deal that we're going to do a whole thing about it, and maybe we'll be able to go up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I would love to do that. Oh, my goodness. So is this something you're all up for? You're not, not scared of this at all? Hell no. I mean, if I was willing to jump in a coffin and watch a movie, I sure, sure as hell would do this as well, especially oh. being a Evil Dead fan. Yes, yes, yes. I'm curious if, like, the opening Bruce Campbell or Sam Raimi or Tappert or Ivan Raimi will be there. Um, yeah, I'm sure they'll make an appearance, kind of like when that Saved by the Bell restaurant opened. Uh, people just, like, pop in occasionally. So, yeah, it, it'd be be awesome to show up and, um, and maybe uh, find luck and run into somebody that's involved with it. But maybe we could ask, uh, what, when is it open? Uh, opens in July, so... Okay, so, well, Ted Raimi is going to... Isn't Bruce Campbell going to be at Texas Frightmare as well? Correct, yes. Be like, dude, let's all go together. Oh, yes, damn straight, yes, let's do that. Hey, guys, let's take a trip to Seattle, we'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness, how fun would that be for a little short documentary? Yeah. <laughs> Traveling with the Evil Dead crew. We'll be like the the real version of that podcast that's in Halloween 2018. We'll be like, we're going around with our little H4N recording uh, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi as we're uh, 
traveling to this event in Seattle and just getting like all their thoughts and everything and then go through the experience. That'd be fun. But not die, not get our head squashed or anything. No, we'll try not to. We know we don't, we don't know for sure what will happen. (laughs) Could happen, but hopefully not. But we're excited about this evil dead Two thing. Ah, I can't wait. I want to go. All right. I think our last bit of news, or perhaps our second to last bit of news, uh, not anything set in stone, but there's there's talk around the water cooler here that Marvel, you know, all the superhero Marvel, is finally trying to get Wesley Snipes back in the Blade costume and uh, do another Blade movie, which... Uh, we haven't had one in a long time. We had Blade 3, which was all sorts of silly. I mean, I enjoyed Ryan Reynolds in it, but we also had Triple H in it, and you had Jessica Biel listening to her iPod. It just wasn't fun. But before that, you had Guillermo del Toro's Blade, uh, which was very similar to his book and TV series, The Strain. Strain. And then, of course, the amazing first Blade movie with Stephen Dorff. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I... Wesley Snipes is an amazing uh, and gifted uh, kung fu master, basically. He knows how to fight, and it's great to watch him fight on screen. And he was just born to play this role, so I really hope they come back and have him a little older. And um, I don't know if passing the torch down, or maybe he just keep on going, but I really want one. What do you think about this? Yeah, yeah. I would like to at least get one good one with him, as like even as a final farewell if they do pass the torch but i don't want anything with like a like they did with a good day to die hard or whatever when they had jai courtney playing the son of bruce willis's uh john mccain or um so i i don't want any of that so i would like to just see him kicking ass again in uh like in a batman uh beyond kind of way uh, when when they just focus more on just him as a seasoned, um, maybe Batman Beyond's wrong, uh, but just seeing like an older version of the character would be really cool. Right. No, I'm. Uh, I think I think Snipes is all over this. I think he would die to come back for this, especially if it's in the Marvel universe. Yeah. Uh, and that would be really cool. I'm reading that there's a rumor that one of the scripts. Uh, is Blade train his daughter? Uh, but mm. I mean, I don't necessarily want that. But I just want—I just want to. Why not, Blade. Brian? Why not? Well, because we've seen that movie tons of times. I just want Blade to be Blade again. You know, I don't have to train anybody. And I kind of want um, Chris Christopherson to come back. But the Mask somehow. of Zorro is good. <laughs> is or Mark it? Zorro? <laughs> is it? It is. is. That movie holds up. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> oh my goodness, Snipes! Uh, I just I I want this. I think uh, as we know, as Deadpool rated R movies and gory movies tend to do very well. So, um, and we're tired of all the glitter vampires. Uh, let's uh let's have Blade come back, and I bet you, Blade would the, Marvel would do a funny bit with Blade killing a. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like a twilight vampire of sorts since there's been a lot of stuff like that coming out but yeah let's hope this comes to fruition i i don't see why they wouldn't do this yeah 
So let's hope. Is there any other news before we move to questions? No, I think that's it. So, yeah, I'll, I'm leaving this week to go to South By, and so I'm excited to uh, get into all these uh, good movies like Us and uh, Nosferatu, Joe Hill's uh, TV adaptation, which I got a link for, so I need to watch it uh, uh, this week, and I need to write my reviews for uh, what we do in The Shadows, the TV series, and so I'm just fully ready to travel down south and um jump into some uh, great horror stuff and then talk about it uh possibly the first half of the festival on next week's episode when we uh do climax hell yes hell yes it's gonna be awesome and i can't wait to hear all about it i'm jealous that you're gonna go see all these cool horror movies there so very cool uh, that is our news for this episode of My Bloody Podcast. We're going to move on to My Bloody Question. We're all excited about it right now because Preston had a great question. Yeah, so this week I picked uh, if you could see a romantic comedy take have a horror twist in it, what move, what romantic comedy movie would you pick and then what would you like to see happen? And that is a damn good question. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, so far right now, we, I mean, we posted, I posted the question late last night, like late last night, and we have 44 comments right now. People are still talking about it. Um, I think people, people like it. Um, I guess I'll, I'll give my thing. I, w- I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, I would take Sleepless in Seattle – and add a seven-type element to it where Tom Hanks is the John Doe killer. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think that would be amazing. I think I, I would want to see that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I like it. Uh, what about you, Preston? Um, so, uh, from Shout Select this week, they released Legally Blonde. And so I watched both of them, both movies that are out, and the third one's coming out in 2020. Um, so I watched the first one still good and enjoyable. I don't know if that's your bag at all, uh, Brian, but the second one is God awful. Um, there's a, there's a point in the film where really early on that my wife and I looked at each other and said in unison, Nope. Um, (laughs) it's like a straight to DVD sequel that some, for some reason has some of the original cast members in it, including Reese Witherspoon and, uh, recent Academy Award winner Regina King and um, Sally Field. So um, the movie is really bad. It's uh, just real quickly. It's Reese Witherspoon. She has her own like law firm type thing, and um, she's uh, getting married to Luke Wilson's character from the first film. And he's uh, off screen for most of the movie. So that's a telltale sign that the movie's bad. And um, so she's trying to like organize her wedding and she has her dog bruiser, which is just Chihuahua dog. And the, she wants to invite the Chihuahua's dog, her dog bruiser's mother to the wedding like this is what we're dealing with and so 
she finds uh, where the, the mother dog is located, and it's located at like this uh, facility that uh, tests uh, certain products on animals. And so I wanted, I wanted the movie to have this horror twist, kind of like Night of the Lupus, where they test out these products on the animals, and then they just become like a bunch of Cujos and start killing people. And then so it really illustrates how bad testing products on animals can be versus something that's a little more lighthearted. So that's what I wanted because I, I thought of the question when I was watching that movie after it was so bad that I, it needed something to uh, spice it up. But in a movie called Legally Blonde, Red, White, and Blonde, it was not going to happen. Ugh, yeah. Ugh. Oh, my goodness. Uh I I'm I'm sorry you had to watch Legally Blonde. <laughs> yeah, the first one's good. I like the first one. Okay, all right, good stuff. Good good all right, stuff. All right, what did Reddit have to say? So Reddit has had a lot to say, and it's been quite quite good. Um, <laughs> uh, quite quite good stuff. So let let's let's look at it. Uh, one of the I guess the one of the best comments so far we have seen. Uh, Paul Sheldon's feet said, I'd take when Harry met Sally and turn it into a psychological horror film where Harry was a serial killer who murdered Sally's entire family when she was like six or seven and she survived. <laughs> so for the rest of the film, it's just her hallucinating and seeing him at different places over the course of her life, how the trauma has followed her. <laughs> And I was Jeez. like, "Holy Here's God, a, yes!" <laughs> we just spawned a writer's room. Yeah, we did. No, that is uh, that is pretty damn good. Um, Ghost Pirate Ninja had an amazing uh, idea. Take fifty first dates, but Adam Sandler is drugging Drew Barrymore to prevent her from realizing she is a murderer, though she through the whole movie would make it seem like Adam Sandler was the murderer, but in fact it was Drew Barrymore. Jeez, that's so good. Isn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, so I responded, I think it would be Sandler's best movie in years, and I said hopefully yeah. Sean Astin would reprise his role. <laughs> <laughs> and 10 Second Tom would just be along for the ride as uh, – they're just uh, murdering people, and then you'd be like, it's okay. You'll forget. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Thank you, um, Ghost Pirate Ninja. That was a great one. Uh, Beef Erky said, take one of those shitty Hallmark movies and add the machete guy from Too Many Cooks. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen Too Many Cooks, Google it. It's pretty good. Uh, Reddit Maine said, there's something about Mary Shelley. Three men vie for the affection of a woman with reanimation on her mind. <laughs> 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 Which sounds good. Uh, yeah. Lux Lisbon has an excellent idea. Ten things I hate about you, but Julia Stiles ends up murdering everyone at prom Carrie style. <laughs> yeah. That's damn good, right? Yeah. Uh, Shakespearean tragedy at that point. I Since think that, that movie's based on Shakespeare. That is a uh, very very cool. Um, let's see here. Um, let's see. The Dead Sea says, "Can I 
take just a straight romance instead? If so, Passengers with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence totally should have been a story about a psychopath who wakes up random women from hypersleep to play a sick game of cat and mouse with them. Hmm. And somebody said that's basically what the film already is. Yep. Uh, C. Deaton82 said the notebook and add the voodoo element from the skeleton key. <laughs> I, I was wondering because that's that's the first like that's almost like the pinnacle of uh romantic comedies romantic dramas is like the notebook and titanic and so i was just thinking that that's like where my mind wandered at first like what sort of things would they do uh like something to cause uh like there's like an actual thing that caused her amnesia or m- causing her to forget the whole story and then she finds out more and more that uh it has to involve murder of some sort like he's like murdering all these people and then so there's that and then something just horrific going on on titanic and they didn't hit an iceberg they hit something else i don't know there's just like so many i i hope that it'd be really cool if we just created like our own little coffee book coffee table book of uh horror twists to romantic comedies like there's just a, a great great list of stuff here there there is uh it, well, i'll keep going canada fan says my best friend's wedding only the julia roberts character is a stalker who starts killing members of the wedding party working her way up to the bride Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, super fun super fun 27 uh, dresses could be a whole different movie <laughs> and have a whole different meaning <laughs> yes indeed uh, uh, summary, summary said, maybe return to me with David Duchovny and Minnie Driver. It's more of a drama than a comedy, but it does have some laughs. It's about a guy whose wife dies in a car accident and is an organ donor. David falls in love with Minnie later in the movie and discover that Minnie received his late wife's heart. I'm thinking that Minnie could also die and then someone else gets her heart. Then David falls in love with them and they die too. It would be an endless cycle of him falling in love with women who get the heart and die. <laughs> I could just retitle it heart to heart. <laughs> there you go. Um, Watson 349B said breakfast at Tiffany's crossed with cosmic horror. Doomed87 said, I'd make a 16 candles or pretty in pink meets teen slasher a la Friday the 13th. Breakfast Club is ripe for a slasher redo. (laughs) The the tagline could be, welcome to the club, what's for breakfast? It's you. (laughs) Said Lamonic Tutor. Oh, good. Uh, Cthulhu's son says, Pretty woman, Julia Roberts is a serial killer and Richard Gere is her latest target. He catches on to the plan and the romance is his way of persuading her not to kill him. mid credit scene shows her killing him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> Thank you, Cthulhu's son. Also, Cthulhu's son also said sleepless in Seattle. It opens with the phone call, but the kid isn't Hank's son. He's just a kid he forced to make the call. He then kidnaps Meg Ryan, locks her in a coffin, and gives her regular doses of a drug that keeps her awake, and she starts hallucinating (laughs) that they're getting together. (laughs) Incredibly detailed. Yes. um, 8-Bit Warlock. 
also mentioned 51st Dates. He would turn the title into 51st Murders. A serial killer is on a spree, and the witness survivor has short-term memory loss. Oh, there, there we go. Yeah, the survivor always gets away but can never remember the face of the killer. It turns out to be the guy that always attempts taking the victim out. Throughout the movie, you would believe they had a connection. Hmm. Maybe. 51st Murders. Oh, okay. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Let's see. What else uh, do we have here? Um, I would go with Roxanne with uh, Steve Martin. By day, the main character is trying to win the heart of Daryl Hannah, but by night, his disembodied giant nose is snuffing or sniffing out random side characters. <sighs> That's pretty good. Um, Mama Mia uh, from Moira oh, yes, Therusen. Mama Mia, except the daughter, is plotting to torture and murder her real father, which is why she's looking for him. At the <laughs> end, she does, it, she does it and drops his body in the middle of the sea and leaves. <laughs> Mystic River style. Mystic River style. And then uh, Damnation's Delight says, Eat, pray, love. But pray is spelled P R E Y. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, uh, that kind of wraps up so far Reddit. But I think we'll be getting more uh, comments as the day goes on. But damn, that was a pretty good one, Preston. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was excited about that one. I've, I've been trying to find one to match your Tom Hanks one, and that one just seemed like a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a that was a great one, and it's super good. There was a, the the fifty first dates Adam Sandler drugging Drew Barrymore, where she's actually the killer, <laughs> was great, and the Harry Met Sally one is damn good. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was good. that was good stuff. There's more on there if you want to read it. We'll post the Reddit link up there, and if you want to give us your opinion, it is um, it is at mybloodypodcast at gmail Let us know. But that was uh, that was super fun. It's <laughs> yep. fun reading those. Um, let's do my bloody recommendations. Preston, yep. what's your recommendation? Hopefully, we don't have the same one. Well, you you should know what mine is. I do. I, I do mentioned. know. Yes, you did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, I've said on this podcast many times that I have not watched. Like I stopped watching Walking Dead after its third season. I just thought it got too repetitive. But then I, after Fear the Walking Dead came out, I you know I admittedly just was didn't want to jump on board for it. But recently I got on board for it. And have watched a few episodes and just recently the fourth season of Fear the Walking Dead came out and it has some of my favorite actors in it. Um, some that I've really liked in uh, movies like No Country for Old Men and um, most recently If Bill Street Could Talk. And so great cast and i've heard nothing but great things uh about fear the walking dead more than uh just from brian um i've seen it all over the internet but uh i wanted to focus particular uh, in particular on one episode from the fourth season of fear the walking dead because i think if you have never seen a lick of this show um this episode could exist on its own 
it does take a bit of a turn because the the whole series uh, jumps around in time where you're dealing with like the past, present, and future. And uh, it, it makes for a more interesting watch. Like it's causing you to be more engaged with the show instead of having a traditional A to B plot. But this episode titled Laura, which stars Garrett Delahunt and um, ah, I'm blanking on her name right now from uh, Dharma and Greg. Um, oh, uh, yeah. yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. What is uh, her name? Dang it. I can't believe uh, it. Jenna Elfman. Jenna Elfman. Jeez, yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so the, the, the entire episode focuses on Garrett Delahunt's character being con, and I should say that Fear the Walking Dead takes place, uh, shortly after what happens, what kick jump starts the apocalypse and so society is beginning to transition uh while walking dead takes place a while after and we're just kind of dealing with the apocalypse and it uh it's it's milked that cow for a very long time so it's more interesting to kind of see like how people react to it at the start and how they're transitioning into this new life that they're having and this only causes me to speculate, like, where the hell they're going to go with this uh, third spinoff or uh, second spinoff, the third in the in the entire Walking Dead uh, world, like where they could go. I hope that maybe it'll be something like The Cured, that movie, The Cured, right, where they're right. just kind of dealing with that. So anyway, lots of lots of interesting stuff. And, it, and that's what makes it a, a fun show to kind of speculate, like where it could go. Um but anyway, this show or this particular episode, uh, as I said, deals with Garrett Delahunt's character, just his everyday routine. He's he's living in this uh, cabin and he's just ca- trying to create normalcy for himself. Most recently, I saw this movie called Arctic with Mad Mickelson. And so far, that's my favorite movie and the best movie that I've seen this year, which uh, very similarly deals with like a man trying to survive in an isolated area. Uh, only you don't have uh, zombies in it. You have one like deadly polar bear. Um, and then um, Jenna Elfman's character washes up on shore. So say you haven't watched any of it and then you just see this happen. The, the, mo- the show can just exist on its own and then you can be just as confused as his character. And then it's, it's just like a, a character uh, driven type of show where we just watch them, their, their love grow and their relationship grow. And then they try to, uh, understand each other, like what they've been doing, how, what sorts of stuff did they do to survive? I mean, all while zombies are washing up ashore and he like creates like this fortress style stuff. And then he has his own like problems that he's trying to overcome such as shooting a gun. So he has a past with like shooting somebody and it, so there's a lot of character vulnerability there and he's having to overcome that. And it, it's just, uh, an exciting and, uh, as I said, character driven show. It reminded me a lot of like a quiet place where it has that supernatural element there, but it kind of takes a back seat and focuses more on the character on the characters. And so I just enjoyed like how quiet this, uh, episode was, uh, in comparison to other episodes, but you know, it, it's just great when a show can just, uh, take, take a turn, like change things up and doesn't entirely need 
the zombies there it doesn't have to have like action like hardcore action to make it exciting uh it it just revolves around uh its its characters and their own problems and so i just thought that made a really great episode so if you haven't seen any of fear the walking dead i would say just watch this episode and then um go back and since it's jumping around in time you can just have fun with it jump around with episodes wouldn't re- recommend that but um it it, it would cause you to uh be more in- excited about uh watching it from the start and then seeing where characters go so um just really enjoyed that episode so yeah fear the walking dead uh the complete fourth season is available now on blu-ray and dvd and um i just got uh it in the mail today but i was able to watch some online and so i'm just excited to go through the rest of it and um possibly talk with one of the actors uh of the fourth season uh, that we may share on next week's episode, uh, or maybe as like a bonus thing this, uh, this week for my bloody podcast. So I'm excited. Uh, just really, really good show. And I'm, I'm excited to kind of go through everything uh, with the rest of it. Yeah. I'm glad you're, you liked it. And uh, if you watch this episode, you should try to find your old Scrabble board game and yeah. bring it out. Yeah. For that, that's, that's what really made it great is that, you're trying to figure out like what he's doing. Like he starts like uh, saying like all these, uh, Garrett Delahunt's character starts saying like all these like random words and you're like, what the hell is he doing? And then you see him start playing Scrabble and he's just like playing that game with himself all day, trying to keep himself busy. And that's just completely relatable. If I was like in that situation, cause we were all fantasized about like the apocalypse and like what we would do, how we would react. <laughs> and so just the, his effort to like create some sense of normalcy for himself was just so fascinating and true and real. And I really enjoyed Garrett Delahunt's uh, turn in this character. His name is John Dory. And as, as he'll tell you, uh, throughout the season, his name is John Dory, but he's like the fish, but he spells it I E. And so he just he just creates like all these like specific things for his character that are just immensely fascinating. And he has like this southern gentleman charm about him. And I watched some of the Talking Dead stuff that they do after the episodes on AMC. And then one of them, one of the actresses uh, or talents. Uh, talked about like how uh he he they remind him like of Forrest Gump not not in terms of intelligence but just the way that he's just shows love and uh devotion and so I just thought that was interesting so I'm, I'm excited to see uh how the rest of the season unfolds because um it's really damn good yeah no I'm glad you're, Exci- you're watching it glad I'm on the bandwagon yes yes I like it Good recommendation, good sir. Um, I believe mine is like the complete opposite of something like Meaningful and all that stuff this week. (laughs) But it goes in line with our feature presentation of Willard. Um, This movie, my bloody recommendation this week, is the 1976 horror film uh, called The Food of the Gods which uh, is, some people think it's a terrible movie, and yes, it probably is a terrible movie, but it's 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 fun. It's fun to watch late night. They even made a sequel of it. Um, <laughs> but The Food of the Gods is um, from 1976, directed by Burt Gordon, and it kind of takes place uh, on a remote island in British Columbia 
where this like this stuff like I guess they you could almost call it like food or something like that starts bubbling up from the ground on this island and uh, certain people think it's like oh this is like a gift from God uh, hence the food of the gods but this this so-called food this stuff coming out of the ground uh, causes all, a lot of the animals to become giant in size including rats wasps and grub worms that wreak havoc on the human people in the film uh so yeah people are being stung by giant wasps people are being eaten by giant evil rats uh it's it's so that's basically what the movie is and it's like no more no less really um but it's such a fun movie 1976 it's like made on a super low budget the Practical visual effects are not great, but it's still fun to watch. Uh, I believe you can buy this movie on Scream Factory for under 20 bucks, but it comes as a double feature with the movie Frogs, uh, as well as the uh, this one, The Food of the Gods. It is a, it's a fun movie. It's, uh, they, they did it... it it goes well with if you wanted to watching like a schlocky movie. Like you would see this movie probably. Uh, I, I mean, I th- most likely done on a Mystery Science Theater three thousand, but it's still fun on its own without the funny commentary. Uh, but yeah, the food of the gods. They even made a sequel of it. So I would, uh, I would, I recommend that one because it's such a fun film. It's kind of not many people mention it. But it would be fun to watch, like, at a midnight showing somewhere with, like, big fans of the movie. Because it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, the poster art is hilarious. Um, so, yeah, let's uh, get, after you watch the walk, uh, the Fear of the Walking Dead episode, Laura, watch The Food of the Gods. Which will lead you into our feature presentation. Willard this week. Uh, Willard, of course. Uh, a movie that was... Uh, if you've never read the book Rat Man's Notebook, it's a 1968 short novel, which is kind of told as like a personal diary. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. And it's uh, kind of like this guy who befriends a rat and they teaches it to do all sorts of things, but then ends up uh, killing him with a horde. Uh, this guy is being eaten by his friendly rat. Uh along with other rats and it's kind of like how the book ends it's like scribbling like oh god they're coming for me kind of like lord of the rings fellowship of the ring with the dwarfs um sort of thing uh but or 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 batman turn horror yes batman turn horror yes uh but this was uh we're talking about the 2003 film willard there was actually uh willard it was a remake from 1971 that starred bruce davison uh, and which is uh, Willard 2003. They're almost the same movie. They took a few differences here, but this 2003 version... Mainly with the character. Right, mainly with the character. Uh, Crispin Glover stars in it, and if you don't know who Crispin Glover is, he is Marty McFly's dad in the Back to the Future series. He was also the creepy thin Just the movie. first one. The first one, yes, because they didn't allow him for the second one. Uh, he didn't want to do it, and there was a big uh, ordeal. Controversy. And, yeah. Yes, but he was also the creepy thin man in the Charlie's Angels movies in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s. But uh, he stars in this, and then his... 
Uh, the the bad guy in this movie is Arlie Ermey, who is the gunnery drill sergeant Hartman in Full Metal Jacket. But this movie, they, oh, they do such a good job with it being creepy. I'm not sure if I enjoy this version's ending as much as I do no. um, something like the original or even the book. But the movie itself is all sorts of like dark comedy and creepy. Uh, you you want to explain kind of like what the movie is uh, like overall about? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's just like an introverted, uh, socially awkward guy who uh, whose family owns this company. So think like Batman, like uh, Wayne Enterprises. Like he owns like a company that is really up there, and uh, the the father is out of the picture, and it's just the mom that's left, and the guy who runs the company is R. Lee Emery character, and um, he made a deal with uh, the family that as long as uh, Willard's mother is alive, um, he will have a position at the company, but he's he's late, he. He's not completely devoted to it. He's a very particular guy. He's dedicated when uh, he's interested in the work, but he doesn't have any friends. And all he has is his mother who's on her deathbed and uh, a horde of rats, an army of rats. And uh, in particular, his uh, two best buds is uh, Socrates, this white rat, and this giant rat named Ben. Um, And if you've seen the 1971 original film there is a sequel that came out a year later titled ben that focuses entirely on his character so um like that the the rat man uh, notebook um he uses the rats uh to do things for him they can chew walls get into places uh they can kill people it, it's just uh, and they can steal they can steal like jewels or money from other people's yeah, houses yeah so he can get his revenge on anybody who uh, uh, mistreats him, and boy does he. Um, so that's that's the story in a nutshell. It's uh, it's pretty simple, straightforward, um, but mostly it focuses on the complex relationships that he has with the rats, in particular with Ben, which is the most Ben to me is the most sympathetic character in the whole story. Because he is almost like the the rat version of Willard. Like he's just as misunderstood. And Willard is almost like the Arlie Emmer character who's tr- may, uh, just constantly belittling him. And it's just it, watching it now versus like 2003 when I first saw it in theaters. Uh, it's very depressing, I really have to say, um, because of how things unfold. Uh, and where it goes in the ending. And so since the movie's been out for a long time, I really hope you have seen the movie, because at this point I I really think most of how I feel about the movie involves spoilers. So Shout Factory or Scream Factory put out this uh, new edition a couple weeks ago of Willard, so I recommend picking that up, uh, diving through the extras. There's even a music video that Crispin Glover did, the Michael Jackson bin song, and it has like this... You know, the the musical part of Shape of Water uh, has that kind of feel where it's just like kind of over the top. Uh, so it's just interesting to see Crispin Glover uh, doing that and providing the song for the film or remaking the song for the film. And so 
Yeah, watch yeah, that. So yeah, there, there's I'd, there's brand new commentaries as well on here, and even like a feature length documentary on the making of yeah. the movie, like which is really cool. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so let's get into spoilers. Um, yeah. So it's a very depressing movie to me because I really liked Ben a lot, and I was hoping if they were gonna change the direction of the story like they clearly did in the end which it just ends with him just fucking killing ben uh, um when it, it's supposed to be in the original story he dies the rats kill him um he takes it too far and it just costs him his, his life and interesting enough interesting enough bruce davidson plays his dad in the film he's never like actually in the film but he's featured in photos so, but the story is like beat for beat of the original besides the ending, which ends with him murdering Ben and destroying all the rats and trying to start fresh. But, you know, the police find out about it and uh, label him psychotic. And so they lock him up in like a men mental institution and he's either there with real rats or he's just imagining it causes him to go crazy and so he just wants to get his revenge again whenever uh, – if you wanted to play a sequel in your head. But I was hoping that maybe they would dive a little further into the complex relationship between him and Ben and realizing that they need each other. They, they are the same type of personalities, and then uh, maybe he realizes it too late. But um, I just wanted something there, and, and I, I – I really hate it. I really hate it. I think maybe just because uh, my stomach for watching animals get killed in horror movies or in movies in general is uh, I just can't handle it very well because I always register any sort of animal. Even watching The Revenant with the bear, I think Im immediately of my own pets, my own dog. And so I just hate seeing that. I hate seeing animal emotions and so just seeing like Willard chop off the fingers of the rat and then when uh, <laughs> it's just it's so hard to watch. And so I hated that. I hated seeing all that. And so I really wanted uh, them to dive further into that where they could just be like buddies in the end or something like where maybe they just like team up and they they realize that they they need to be these like full on evil people. But um yeah, I, di I didn't like that, that they took it in that direction. So that, that hindered my experience a bit. But I still think that uh, Crispin Glover gives a, like, this was a role that he was born to play because he's always, he's a good character actor, kind of playing like these people who are very socially awkward and kind of creepy. And he has like a very particular look with his like slick parted hair and uh, business suits that he wears from his dad's closet. So um, he he creates a very interesting character for himself, and that's fascinating. Like the the creepiness is all throughout the film. Like that that it's like on the edge of horror the entire time, uh, compared to the 1971 original where Bruce Davidson kind of plays him as like this uh, almost like a eight year old child. Um, he has like a party hat and all this sorts of thing. Does like these different voices, and so it's it's a totally different film tonally but um i i do have to admit that i think that the creepy factor uh works better uh that dark kind of feel works better with this 2003 remake but 
um, just just how the story unfolds is where I uh, uh, knock it some, but um, just enjoy like the over the top kind of performance that uh, Crispin Glover gives at times. Like he, he gives a very like kind of like subtle. There's like subtle moments where it's kind of quiet and reflective, and you truly feel for him and how uh, how he's bullied. Um, but then he re- he turns into almost like the guy he hates the, his boss yeah, yeah, Arlie Ehrman. Yeah, and and that's what makes it a, a good a good movie and overall um, because you can look at that on paper and it makes it like a good it reads like good fiction um, and so I, I like that about it. But still, just kind of seeing it should have ended tragically like the original or done something a little bit different instead of kind of almost ending the same way that the craft does with him being in a menstrual institution. I guess that was just like the common thing to do, um, uh, with movies back then, but they should have just done something deeper. Um, I, I I would have liked the idea of him like kind of, um, ah, what movie is it? Um, some character like catches out, catches on fire and realizes too late that he, um, I don't know. It happens in all kinds of movies, but they—that's what I wanted. I wanted him to realize too late that they really needed each other, and he—he he f- fucked up. And so, right, because like the two major rats in this movie, uh, Socrates and Ben. Like Socrates is like the beautiful the white likes. rat, you know, like who you think is friendly, and then there's like the giant black rat that is supposedly like he—he's. I think Ben, the supposedly the evil one uh, of the two rats here, I think is yeah, like like Preston said, he's misunderstood. He just wants to be kind of yeah. loved and like, hey, I'm here, I I can do this. But for some reason, Willard, you know, Crispin Glover's character just does not give him the time of day, and it's really fun to realize or see. It's like he does not realize what he's doing and how he hates the boss played by Arlie Ermey that's doing to him. And it's just, oh, it's just, oh, it's... And then watching Arlie Ermey murder Socrates was really hard to watch, too, because you, cause that's when Ben is... Uh, like showing like that he's been pushed to his limits. Like he is tried and he's tried to be uh, on his, on Willard's side, but he's just, as you said, not giving him the time of day. And it's, it's heartbreaking because I really truly feel for Ben so much. And um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to just keep hammering this into the ground. Like I just hated seeing him, his shadow, which we essentially believe that that is Ben getting murdered by a, a, a knife in the end of the film. But um yeah if you have a weak stomach for watching rats get killed it happens all throughout this film but it's 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 really amazing to see the sorts of stuff that they were able to pull off especially if you watch the documentary that's on the shout factory release and uh, some of the interviews with the director um where he talks about like how they were able to train the rats um and they were able to do that with the original film they just like you know sprinkled peanut butter throughout the set and then uh I think Bruce Davidson had like a pack of M&Ms in his pocket and, and then he's the movie's known for one of the times where he went to go into his pocket to pull out an M&M. He actually ate a, a rat pellet. Um, so uh, in this one, uh, they did something kind of similar. Uh, the, the director said that uh, 
they only had a few good takes to do stuff. And so they would use CGI. I mean, you can tell at this point, especially if you watch the movie, there's a shot of him coming out of the elevator where it's just like an army, like a sea of rats coming in to get his revenge on Arlie Ermey's character. And, but then there's other shots, especially a lot of the close-ups of Ben, which makes you really feel for his character, um, where you're like getting, you're getting like a real performance out of him. I remember watching uh, an interview uh, with Conan from like 2003 uh, with Crispin Glover, and he's talk- Conan's talking about like how uh, the best performance of the film, sorry, is is Ben. Because they just do all these close-ups of him, and you're you're getting like real emotion out of him, and it's insane that they were able to do that. And so, just just to hear all the filmmakers talk about like the process to getting the rats to do some of the stuff in the film is just it's really incredible, and it makes the movie uh, uh, worth watching more so than uh, uh, than the story itself and how things go and the performances. But um, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's a it's actually a really good movie, and actually it did well in the theaters. Uh, made more than double its uh, budget, and it still like gets talked about today. This remake, which is kind of hard to do for a, a horror remake, but yeah, it's a it's. I still like this movie, and revisiting it again, it was super fun. And it's like, God damn, why is Chris McGlover not in every movie? Yeah, <laughs> he's just yeah, so he, good. He's good. He's good for this genre, and so. And uh, Arlie Ermey, of course, you know, basically is playing his role from uh, Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> like like he does in almost every movie. In every movie, yes. Uh, but yeah, there's tons of really cool um, bonus features on the Scream Factory release. Uh, new scans, new audio commentaries. Unfortunately, I don't think there's a, new, a commentary from... Uh, actually, there, there, there's an old commentary from Crispin Glover, but not a new yeah. one. So, but yeah, that 73 minute documentary is definitely worth checking out if you like behind the scenes stuff, because that's really, it's super interesting to watch how with a movie like this dealing with animals and rats and stuff, it's a pretty cool. And if you, I mean, if you haven't seen, if you think this movie's not plausible, I mean, if you watch any like rat documentary, everybody will tell you like rats are like super smart. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad we did Willard, uh, and I'm just I'm curious why they didn't do a collector's edition to this one. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it, I, I'm always I, I'd be interested to know like what what qualifies for them to make like one that comes complete with like a a slip cover. Maybe they they aim for it, but then. Um, because of like budget reasons or trying to acquire talent, it, it can't just reach that, that level. And, and it doesn't quite match because like Scream Factory also put out the 1971 original Willard and Ben, and they don't come with a, a slip cover. So uh, there's at least some continuity there that uh, if you have it all on your shelf and next to each other, like they don't come with slip covers. And so it just like looks consistent, but Maybe down the line, uh, maybe Scream Factory will do because they they do like collectors re-releases. They did that with Ninja Three, and so it's possible. But uh, for now, this this will do. This will do. Willard Scream Factory, get it. Go to Scream Factory's uh, website and get it there. 
they have a lot of good stuff. But I believe that wraps up our episode of My Bloody Podcast. Um, we will be back next week, hopefully with some South by Southwest goodness from Preston as well as a big discussion about Gaspar No and Climax. Uh, very excited about that along with more bloody questions and bloody recommendations. And hopefully we'll have an interview uh, recorded with some people from the Fear of the Walking Dead next week. But uh, we appreciate you listening, as always. Uh, my Bloody Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, all of it. I'm Brian Kluger, um, and Preston Barta is always the man who knows everything about movies and horror. We love him so much. Preston, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Instagram at Preston Bardo, where I'm recommending uh, daily movies and uh, collector's items, um, such as uh, the They Live soundtrack on vinyl, which I just got recently. I'm excited to uh, fully dive into that. Just been really impressed with the, the design of it, as we discussed in episodes past. But uh, you can find my writing on Ditton, D-E-N-T-O-N-R-C.com. If you go to the entertainment section and then movies, you can find my latest theatrical releases. Uh, Brian and I recently saw Captain Marvel, so we'll both have reviews up for that shortly, if not already. And um, uh, You can also find me on freshfiction.tv, where I'm the features editor. So as I've mentioned, going down to South By, so... We'll have all kinds of reviews and interviews and articles up. Um, so I'm I'm just just really excited uh, to dive into that. So um, yeah, be back next week. Yeah, Talk. and until then, watch Willard, watch Fear the Walking Dead season four uh, episode Laura, watch The Food of the Gods, and let us know what romantic comedy should be turned horror. We love you all.